Welcome to the Church on a Hill podcast. This is Pastor Corey Lahery, and the Church on a Hill podcast is a ministry of Palouse Federated Church in Palouse, Washington. We are glad you joined us for this podcast, and we hope that that this will bless you. Specifically, you are listening to a recording of messages from the Words That Matter series. This is our Lent and Easter 2023 sermon series about the words of Jesus Christ from the cross, the seven words or sayings that Jesus spoke from the cross. We truly pray that this series will bless you and deepen your faith and especially deepen your love and admiration for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, it's good to be with you today to share God's word from from the cross. We've been covering the, the seven words or seven sayings of Jesus from the cross in this series we've called Words That Matter. And we find ourselves today at the sixth word, traditionally called the word of triumph from the Gospel of John chapter 19, starting with verse 29. I'd ask it, wherever you're at, if it's safe and if you're able to stand for the reading of the Gospel, the Gospel of John 19, starting with verse 29. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. This is a deep word we are considering today, and uh, there have been many throughout the history of the church who have, who have thought and preached and written about this word of triumph. I want to read you a quote from Peter Chryslogos, who said, By allowing himself to be taken captive, he overpowered his opponent. By submitting, he overcame him. By his own execution, he penalized his enemy. And by dying, he opened the doors, the door to the conquest of death for his whole flock. What looked like an end to Jesus and an end to his movement was really triumph and the beginning of the kingdom of God. We see here today that Jesus does not say, I am defeated. Jesus does not say it's all over or it didn't work. Jesus says it is finished. And today we will consider what is finished. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be pleasing, O Lord, in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. You alone should we rightly fear. You alone should we fully follow. You alone should our lives be, be founded upon. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. Oh Lord, we need you. We need your words. We need what you have done for us. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts that rejoice at your truth. And I pray that your people who are listening to this Wherever they're at with you and faith and everything, Lord, you know where they're at. So I pray that they'd be praying that they 
would receive your truth just as you want them to and that you would be honored and that they would be helped and that they would pray for me and other preachers as we proclaim your word that through all of it, Lord, you might be more clearly seen and through us seeing you, we might better serve you in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's look at this scripture. Uh, if, we, if we reround a bit back into verse 28, really, which is part of the same paragraph, we see the finished word or finished word uh, used three times in the paragraph. In verse 28, the first part of verse 28 uh, says, after this, knowing that all was now finished. This is very similar to the word that Jesus says in verse 30, it is finished has the same root word that we, we see then again in the second part of verse 28. Jesus says to fulfill the scriptures. That's, that's the same root word there. The scriptures were fulfilled or perfected or completed. And then here we see in our scripture today in the first part of verse 30, Jesus said it is finished. So are we tracking, friends? Are we paying attention? Uh, John is making it clear here that Something is coming to a completion, a fulfillment. The root word for finish in all of these cases is teleo. It means to bring to completion, perfection. Something is finished, a debt is paid, a project is completed. It is done. It is finished in a good way. Completion. Not, I've left it undone and I'm just finished with doing this. No, no, no. When you use this word, it means that the task at hand or or the bill that needed to be paid, or the project that was undertaken, is completed, fulfilled. And in verse 30, when this teleo word is used, it ends up sounding like tetelestai, tetelestai. And this is in the, the perfect tense, which scholar Dale Bruner says, this means a past act with a continually present tense force. Something that's done, but is ongoing as if it's always present out into the future. Does that make sense? It is finished, finished, done, done, but its finishedness continues in the present out into the future. It is finished, and it always will be. So we have to ask, what is it, right? But before we answer that question of what is the it that is finished, let's take a step back by noticing a detail in the scripture today. I want to take a hyssop step back into the history of the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. Hyssop is a plant that's common in that area in the Middle East. And hyssop was mentioned uh, six or seven times in the Bible, I believe. And the earliest record of it in the scriptures is in Exodus 12. And this is when the Hebrew people were, were still slaves in Egypt and, and God was bringing plagues upon the Egyptians trying to get Pharaoh to allow the Hebrews to be set free. And in Hebrews 12, we see that the hyssop plant was to be used as a paintbrush to, to paint the, the blood of lambs that the Jewish people, the Hebrew people were to sacrifice, to take the, the blood of the lamb and to paint it over the doors. And they were to use a hyssop branch to do that. And that was the, the first mention of hyssop in the scripture. It's then mentioned in Leviticus and Numbers and 1 Kings and Psalms. And Psalms 51.7, it says, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. 
So in the biblical imagination, the hyssop plant was something that God had used originally to, to protect, you could say, to clean or to protect the, the, the Hebrew people with the blood of the lamb, covering over their households because they had given the sacrifice. Death did not enter their household. In the image of David in Psalm 51, he's saying, I need to be cleansed with your hyssop, Lord. You can make me clean. You can make me whiter than snow if you wash me. This is a prophetic verse once we know about the cross, that your hyssop can make me clean. Now, a little bit about the hyssop plant. It is, it is a, a, a beautiful plant when it's in bloom, I guess, but it's a, it's a fairly humble plant, too. It's not super strong, and, you know, uh, you, you, you can Google image search for it, but we have a picture of it on the screen if you're watching this. And it's not something that you could actually stick a sponge to the end of and hold it up to Jesus as he's six or so feet off the ground, maybe seven feet off the ground. I mean, his feet are just, you know, a foot or two feet off the ground. The cross wasn't 10 feet in the air or something. So, but even so, what it means when I think, and most historians think that they took the sponge and they filled the sponge full of sour wine and then they, they drenched the hyssop plant in it and then held the hyssop plant to his mouth. The sour wine soaking or covering the branches and, if the, you know, the, the hyssop plant and then pressing that against his lips, raising that up to him, brushing the Lamb of God with the hyssop branch. Now think about his face. His face covered with blood from the crown of thorns pressing into his flesh. The hyssop branches that rubs against Jesus' face as he maybe gets a, a taste of sour wine across his lips. The branches are covered with whatever blood isn't yet dried from his face. This is an image that I think God planted here in this story for us and that John and others take note of, that the plant that was used there to, to give him just this maybe brief little bit of sour wine, the, the sourness of our earth, it was really an image that God planted there to say, here is my lamb. And you think you're taking care of him ending him, but really he is wiping you clean. He is making you whiter than snow. So what did he finish as he became this sacrifice for us? Well, he is finishing the power of the plague of sin. The plagues in the Old Testament, the, the, the reality of this, this, we have sin is real and its, it's, its consequences damage our relationships, damage our own lives and bring death into the world. But Jesus is coming to, to conquer the power of the plague of sin. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he's literally becoming sin for us. Romans 5.6 says just at the right time while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He's giving himself to conquer the power of sin that is bound, binding us. He is finishing the power of death. He's putting death to death with his death. 
And though there is still death in this world, it, the death is losing its sting because we are invited into the new kingdom of God now and invited into his eternal kingdom. The power of death is swallowed up in victory, the scriptures say, the victory of Christ. The principality of evil is overcome, the crosses of victory over evil. It shows that good is better than evil, light is better than darkness, because even though a terrible injustice and, and evil was done to God, God says, I will still do good, I will still do love. Good and love and justice that come from God are, are all stronger than evil, and this is just a declaration that evil is overcome. His complete, perfect act of love happens on the cross. You can read about this in the, 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 the wonderful book of Hebrews, right? Hebrews chapter 2, starting with verse 14, says, Now, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. So we see in that one scripture in Hebrews 2.14 that, that the, the Bible is telling us that Jesus conquers both death and, and the evil one who likes to think he can control us by the fear of death. But that has now been overcome. Death and evil and sin overcome. And more than that, the promise of a suffering Savior is fulfilled. The promise that we see clearly in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 is fulfilled in, in Jesus the Christ. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says this, Surely he took on our in infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, struck down and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Friends, it is finished. The power of the plague of sin is finished. The power of death is finished. The principality of evil is overcome and finished, and the promise of a suffering Savior is fulfilled and finished. Frederick Dale Bruner's image is of a, of a cross, a fourfold fulfillment that he sees in what Jesus did on the cross. He says, it shows us the great reconciliation of the world with God. Hebrews 10, 14, read Hebrews 10. It speaks of some wonderful stuff that Jesus did on the cross, but Hebrews 10, 14 says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It's the great reconciliation. It's the great rout of the devil for believers. It's the great reality of truth in history. It's the great revelation of the love of God for the world that he would lay down his life for his people. And the scriptures say, that that's what love is, one who lays down his life for friends or for brothers, right? It tells us exactly what Jesus said. He did not come into the world to, to condemn the world, but to save the world, John 3, 17. It is finished. And yet, as we, as we hear Jesus say it is finished, and he's taking the, uh, these 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 powers and principalities upon himself, the penalty of sin upon himself. He is finishing that. He is, he is dealing with that. Yet there is more to come. He knows that and we know that too, right? There is more to come. 
He has not yet breathed his last. There is more to come. We're going to hear the seventh word of the cross next week, even as we celebrate resurrection. There's more to come. He has not yet gone to the place of death. He will soon breathe his last and go to the place of death. There is more to come. He has not then yet been raised from the dead. There is more to come. So we will celebrate and rejoice all of this and more this upcoming Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, the Sunday that the world calls Easter, the Sunday that people love to have brunch, even if they're not brunch eaters. But the Sunday where we remember that death could not hold him, the grave could not keep him. Death does not win. The devil does not win. Evil does not win. Our Lord was raised from the dead. We will celebrate that soon, but for now. But for now, we need, we need never forget the cross. We must always remember the cross. We must remember that the cross tells us that that we as human beings often have our expectations and our desires way off. We are like the crowds who shouted on that Sunday, the Palm, what we call Palm Sunday, Hosanna. We shouted that when we saw him come into town. We're excited about things and when religion can do something for us right but when we have to do hard things or make sacrifices or admit our sins or confess or reconcile whatever it is when God challenges us sometimes we find ourselves saying away with you or crucify him our expectations and our desires as human beings are often off they're off and we need the cross as the ultimate reminder that there is much, much we miss, and we, we often miss on the sinfulness of our sin and, and, and how much sin and evil is still breaking relationships. It's been overcome and conquered, and we should, we should put it to death in ourselves. We are completely forgiven, but we should fight against it in our own lives, and we, we should seek to reconcile and have peace with others and peace within the body. So we need the cross. We need to be routinely humbled and amazed by Jesus and his cross. We need to take up our own cross, Jesus said. Not because it's how we are saved, but we are people too who need to be willing to suffer for others. We need to be people who live humble lives as one who who is led by a suffering servant. We too should become suffering servants for the sake of others and for the glory of God. And friends, we cannot tolerate a Christianity that is about political power or that is about material prosperity or is about, you know, nationalism or something. We cannot tolerate these false versions of Christianity that are not led by the way of Jesus Christ and his cross. Christianity is not a a, a movement of power by force or by, by politics or by nation or by race. It is not a a, a movement that is first and foremost concerned about individual rights. No, it is about a Lord who, though he was was God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped and held on to, but instead he emptied himself and took on the nature of a servant and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's That's what we learn in the scriptures in Philippians 2, right? He did this for us. This is his way. And therefore, our way is to follow him. And we cannot 
We cannot have a Christianity that moves away from Good Friday and away from the cross and away from being people who must take up our own cross and put to death our, the evil in our own lives. And, and, and we must not move away from that. We must not move to just a, a Christianity of power and prestige and power and nationality and politics and party. No. We should never get too far away from his commitment to overcome the powers that were binding us. Our faith must always be founded upon Christ and him crucified. So Paul said his ministry was based on, you can check it out, 1 Corinthians 2.2, but he said, I preach Christ and him crucified. And in 1 Corinthians 1, he said, you know, that's a stumbling block to, to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, meaning... Basically, everybody has a bone to pick with it. Doesn't sound very wise or very powerful, but it's the truth that the way to love in this world, the way to real change, is by being humble, by serving, and often, yes, by suffering for the sake of what is good. Jesus was willing to do the ultimate suffering for the sake of of what was good, restoring us to relationship with, with him, defeating the powers that bind us, sin, death, and evil. And he's calling us to be like him, to believe in his mission. May we never boast except in the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Our challenges are very great as human beings. Our brokenness without God is terrible. This is why we have to have the Son of God on the cross because that chasm of brokenness between us and God, the, the darkness that binds us, is real. And it has to really be overcome. The challenges are great. Otherwise, we wouldn't find the Son of God, Jesus, on the cross. But this is what we do find. When we come to the scriptures, we do find that God says, I have to send my suffering servant, my very own son, will be given for you. And we, friends, need to receive that and remember that. That it was my sin, your sin, that held him there that there's a price that has been paid for our lives. And we should therefore honor him with our lives. Now, we should live as living sacrifices for all that he has done for us. We should live as these new sheep that we are. We were the lost sheep, and he went after us. And now, because of what he has done for us, we are secure, and we are living in a safe lush field of his goodness and grace and we will live with him in God's eternity of love forever and we need to appreciate that now by how we live and treat others and so I encourage you in your life to have some basic practices do you have the never more than 24 practice of finding in some way finding in some way daily to have a grounding practice in your day maybe it's morning maybe it's midday maybe it's night Maybe you put a cross in your pocket that you feel and you remember and appreciate and give thanks that the Son of God 
who made all things, who spoke all things into existence, also suffered and died on the cross. And he can make you white as snow. Never more than 24 hours. And I want to just revisit what what we mentioned in our last sermon series a lot, the the three-day three times a day prayer routine of morning, midday, and evening. This week, if you've not done that before, or even if you are doing it, this week I encourage you as we go through Holy Week, morning, midday, and evening, giving thanks for Jesus and his sacrifice. Closing your eyes, turning things off, pausing before him, giving thanks for Jesus and his sacrifice. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Though you were God, you you did not hang on to, to that. Instead, you emptied yourself and became one of us. You became a servant. and You became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Oh Lord, we rejoice in your amazing love, your grace towards us. God, help us to believe that what you did truly did finish sin, death, evil. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some next steps you could consider. If you've never been to our Good Friday service before, we we hear all the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross and and there's times of silence and prayer, a little bit of singing at the beginning, but by the end there's only darkness, and it's to contemplate and enter in, in a very deep spiritual way, um, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I invite you to that this Friday at 7.30 p.m. It will not be online. It's only in person. So if you can be there, do that. If you can't be in person with us, a better thing to do than watching our service online would be to read those seven sayings yourself. Perhaps get seven candles. And after you read each of the seven sayings, extinguish one of the candles until they're all out. Right? You can find the seven sayings of Christ online. You can do that yourself. So I encourage you, do it yourself. Come here. Go to a Good Friday service wherever you live. And join other Christians in remembering what Jesus said and did for us. And the next next step challenge is this, this time of year is a time where you could invite somebody. It's, every day is a good day to invite somebody to, to consider faith, consider Jesus. But perhaps they're open to it um, because it's Easter, right? It's a resurrection time. Maybe they'll come to uh, the sunrise service, their early riser, or maybe they'll come here for a worship service or one of the Holy Week services or a Bible study next week or maybe they'll read one of the books you've been reading. But I want you to consider who might you invite and what to fill in those blanks. Who might be a person you could invite and to what? And consider doing that soon. Thanks be to God for his love for us. Thank you for listening to that message from our series, Words That Matter. 
it, in this season of Lent 2023, we have other resources available to bless you and deepen your faith. Uh, we gather for Bible studies throughout the week. Check out PalouseChurch.org for our schedules. Uh, check out uh, the Bible app where many of us do reading plans together uh, focused on what we're learning in this season. You can also join us for soup suppers Wednesday night in person, 6.30 p.m. at the church where we are reflecting and, and listening to people share about the words that, that Jesus said from the cross. We also have nights of peace on Thursday nights during this season at Holy the Holy Trinity Chapel in Palouse where you can be, be with the Lord in just a quiet time. Uh, and that's anytime from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. on Thursday nights. So there's lots of resources. Check us check us out on YouTube.com or the Bible app if you're not uh, a friend of me or uh, our church on there. Check that out just so that you can connect with some resources that bless you if you're tuning into this series. Again, thank you for listening, and we do pray that the Lord blesses you and your time in the Word.